0: Hello and welcome to American Riviera Bank's Regional Pulse. My name is Jeff Devine and I'm president and CEO at the bank. And I'm really excited today to bring you this podcast from the historic green room at the Libero Theater. This place has a really special place in my heart because I've been a board member here for uh, over the last decade. I actually served for a time as the president of the Libero Theater Foundation. And uh, after you listen to this podcast, I think you'll have a feeling for what a special place this is. I'm here today with David Asbell, the executive director, as well as Brandon Mowry, uh, the development director here at the Libero Theater Foundation. David's been at the helm for over 20 years. It's actually his 24th year. Congratulations, David, on that. That is an amazing accomplishment. And Brandon has been here as well for about four years. And Brandon has done an incredible job of broadening the donor base here and the use of text donations, social media promotions, and more. Welcome, David and Brandon. Thank Thank you you for having us, Jeff. Really excited to do this today. Since we're sitting here in the green room, you guys, tell the audience a little bit about the green room. Because when I look around, the green room looks to me like a very fancy waiting room. (laughs) There are some green things in here, and there are definitely pictures on the wall of all the various performers that have been through here. What's the significance of a green
1: room? Well, it's the room where artists will um, hang out in before they go on stage. Um, almost always there is a rehearsal period or something during the day or during the week leading up to it where the, the artists, the actors, the dancers, the musicians they just need a place to go where they can they can relax. There's usually hospitality in here. Um, it's very centrally located. It's right next to the dressing rooms, right next to the stage, right next to the uh, auditorium as well. Here, um, this building was built in 1924. So this groom has seen a lot of really stellar artists, and there's a number of pictures behind me on the other side of me mm-hmm. um, great shots of Marcel Marceau um, uh, Arthur Rubinstein um, oh just the list is is the list is endless but a great number you know our own uh, Jonathan Winters from here in town um, Jeff bridges Jeff bridges right of course
0: um, it really is an yeah. amazing history of this theater and this theater, is actually, my understanding is that uh, the Libero Theater was founded in 1873. So 2021 will be 148 years, and that would make it California's oldest continually operating
1: theater. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, we're actually the fourth oldest in the country, and we're the oldest west of uh, Milwaukee. Hmm. So uh, yeah, very, very proud of that. It's you know um, uh, 148 years that that's old for us left coast people, <laughs> um, uh, and and we're we're it's it's something to be really proud of. Uh, there was a the original building was a, an opera house, Jose Libero's opera house, and um, it ran into to disrepair uh, in the teens, uh, the 19 teens, and was rebuilt. in the current building, what they call the New Libero Theater, uh, was built in 1924. And uh, we will be a hundred years old in August of 2024. That's right. or so. so
0: this actual building will be a hundred years old right. at that point. Right. So so what's coming up is 150 years, yeah,
1: for the Libero. So what what have you all got planned for 150? You know, we're we've been thinking about this, and of course the pandemic kind of got in our way a little bit. But um, yes, there's will there will be a major celebration here, yeah. and more to come uh, as we unroll what, what that's all about. But what yes, do you think, Brandon,
0: some, some community, um, engagement around the 150th? And
2: I'm, I'm all about silver linings, Jeff, you, you know, this, you've heard my, my upbeat pitches at, at many a board meeting. Um, but, uh, I, I think there really is a, a silver lining in that, yes, there's been this pandemic and it's been devastating and we've, we've had a sheltered stage for all intents and purposes. Um, and the fact that people are going to be coming back, there's there's a thirst. we're We're hearing it with mm-hmm. our our supporters, we're hearing it with our patrons. Um, folks are so excited to get back in that theater. And the fact that that's all going to coincide with this this huge anniversary for the theater. I, I think if you're looking for silver linings, that's a pretty good one.
0: i'm I'm really excited yeah. for it, too. I'm looking forward to what you guys have in store. And the theater itself, I mean, Maybe not everyone is familiar, but this theater is a certain size. It has approximately Mm -hmm. 600 seats, right? Right. Correct. Okay. And it's often been cited as one of the best venues to watch live music. And I'm kind of curious, what is it that you think has has made the Libero such a great place? Is it the the size of the venue, the seats, the acoustics? What is it? You know,
1: it's all of that, but the most important thing. Is the relationship between the artist and again whether that's music or theater or dance, spoken word, whatever that is, the relationship between the artist and the audience. There are it is so close, you know. A lot of theaters have a orchestra pit between the stage and the first row. We don't have that here. I mean, our first row is is right up against the stage. Uh, you feel no matter where you are. We only have 19 rows. Uh, no matter where you are, you feel like you can reach out and touch whatever's going up on stage. Mm-hmm. If Sight I, lines are great. It's I, I think that's probably the most important thing, that intimacy between the audience and the artist. I
0: like that concept. Yeah, yeah. I feel that when I'm here yeah. listening to music.
2: If I can add to that, um, we also have an incredible community here. It, it truly, you hear the term community theater all the time, but that's that's front and center uh, here at the Libero. And a great little opportunity for us to acknowledge um, a really important member of our community is American Riviera Bank. You guys are tremendous, impactful leaders as, as board members, you yourself. Um, but also, we just we love having the, the American Riviera Bank team over here. You guys are corporate sponsors. You come out to shows. And uh, so we're just so appreciative of a longstanding collaboration we have wow. with your bank.
0: Thank, you, thank yeah. you, Brandon. We really appreciate that, too. It's a nice – it's enjoyable. And that intimacy that you're talking about, it's not just – about the show sometimes it's the pre-show it's being outside in the courtyard Mm -hmm. and having a drink and being able to mingle with other corporate sponsors and other uh, guests for the evening it's so much fun to do that before the show and then go in and see a great show and you're right you know there really is no bad seat in the house you know with 600 seats and 19 rows uh you're really not going to have an issue there's never anything in your way and um it's certainly not a venue where somebody's going to have to whip out binoculars to see who's on the stage. That's right. not happening here at right. the Libero. So that's, that's that intimacy. But, mm-hmm. but, but the history as well is so interesting to me. Um, one thing that may, maybe not everyone in the community would be aware of is that the Libero has multiple different purposes in that it's a rental house available for rent for community organizations, or uh, promoters that want to promote a show uh, and do it here at the Libero, and it, and it can be rented in that respect. But also, uh, we have the Libero Theater Foundation putting on the Libero live events. Do you wanna talk a little bit about those two different business models? And- yeah,
1: you know, um, uh, our first, first and foremost, our, our number one job is um, um, taking care of the community, uh, the, the performing arts organizations in the community. Um, we'll do about two hundred shows a year. About forty of those or thirty five of those will be Libera Live, something that we present. The and so the bulk of our calendar, it's it's local people. It's mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 local, the local ballet, exactly you know, the right. kids the opera, up there on the right. stage. The Youth Symphony, have... Right, exactly. It's it, the, those are the ones. Um, Music Academy is here uh, for ten weeks over the summer. Uh, the Kama's film festival. Here. The film festival is here, yeah, of course. So, so most of the activity is, is the Libera Theater Foundation and our staff working with those organizations to do what we can to help, help make their shows better. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't make the opera, but, but we can do everything else to, to, to make sure with our tech crew, with our front of house crew, uh, down to just making sure the restrooms are clean. Mm-hmm. You know, that type of thing, that type of support, our box office is a big key. To all of that. So mm-hmm. that's really our job one. And yeah, we're proud of Libero Live. We're proud of what we present. Um, it's actually a very, you know, it's 10% of our, or 20% of our calendar, if you will.
0: So maybe in simplistic uh, terms, if we were to look at the business model, uh, you, you will receive rent from mm. the renters, right. right? And so that's kind of one way that the Libero Theater will make money to support its operations and to keep the theater in good shape, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but then also libero live events will will be put on and that's a situation where the libero theater foundation is actually you know taking risk that we need to sell a certain right. amount of tickets to right. make a profit on the performance right. and that can be supported by corporate sponsors mm-hmm. and donors etc um but the rental aspect is uh, more of um, the stage being available for the community. And as you said,
1: it's it's a big part of the number of days that the theater is in operation. Right, and, and that happened long before I got here. I mean, I think the libero has been central to the local performing arts scene um, uh, since day one. You know, uh, we're, population-wise, we're not a large town, not a large city, not a metropolitan area by any stretch. 600 seats is ideal for most of the local uh, organizations here in town. Um, the Granada is beautiful and fantastic. And at fifteen hundred seats, there are some uh, some of the local shows, some of the local organizations that that require that. Mm-hmm. The majority are really looking for something a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. So, and th- 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 they would like to perform more. So and um, we
0: here primarily get used I would say of course for live music mm-hmm. there's dance right uh there's film mm-hmm.
1: right right we don't uh, see as much theater. we don't see yeah.
0: as much theater on our stage not, right not a
1: lot and 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 part of that is it's there's a pretty vibrant theater scene in in Santa Barbara particularly with the ensemble theater mm-hmm. so they're there they're, when they do a production they'll run for 4 weeks so uh, we get a little bit of theater uh usually one offs but, um, or, or one day activities, but um, uh, you're right, it's, it's mostly music, uh, a fair amount of classical music, a um, fair amount of jazz and, and rock and roll and folk and, uh, and the like, and, and a fair amount of dance as well. A lot of the dance schools are performing here as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'll just throw in um, kind of uh, show a little range, um, yeah. one of my favorite uh, Libero observations. Within a week of seeing my daughter on that stage uh, doing ballet with Gustafson.
0: I've seen my daughter on that stage sure, too, Brandon. It's the best. Yeah, it is the best. Uh,
2: but within a week of that, I saw Neil Young on the very same stage. That so is, that's
0: pretty impressive to have example. that kind of range. Right. That is a good example. I unfortunately, and I gotta admit, I was very excited about Neil Young being here. And it turned out that I couldn't go to the concert because we had our shareholders meeting at oh, the no. bank. Uh, and I had so many people tell me that it was one of the most amazing shows. Um, I shouldn't have brought stage. it up. I'm <laughs> sorry. You did, you did. You thought <laughs> it's okay. It's okay because I was actually excited that, that we had Neil Young here on the stage. And speaking of that, what would you say? I mean, I know there's just a ton of history here, but if you had to look at maybe one older show, that maybe represented you know one of the most famous acts to play on the Libero Theater, who would you say it is? And then maybe give us a more current representation. Maybe it's, maybe it's someone like Neil Young. That's a, obviously a really big act. Um, what do you think historically? David? Well, since
1: I've been here, uh, Mikhail Baryshikov has performed twice. Um, uh, Marcel Marceau has performed a couple of times as well. Uh, Dave Brubeck performed, mm-hmm. oh man, he probably performed six or seven times uh, in the early, the late '90s, and the early 2000s, here, um, Charles Lloyd, local local guy, uh, huge name, probably the, the 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 finest living saxophonist right now. Um, yeah, so there's there's been some great it's stuff. Been a lot, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, we had Los Lobos on the calendar. Um, I know there there's just. A blind Pilot was a fantastic up-and-coming act that we had uh, uh, pre-pandemic, um, and uh, so I-, I think there's really room for uh, really exciting up-and-coming performers. Uh, right before mm-hmm. I started, you guys had, um, what was the name of the band, uh, uh, The Lumineers, is that right? Oh, yeah, Lumineers. Oh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, so we had The Lumineers 1 November. Uh, they did one show. Uh, I think the tickets were $20 or something. Sold out about five minutes. And that summer, the following summer, they headlined the set of Barber Bowl. So that's how fast they blew up. Well, actually, funny
0: you guys have heard me tell this story before, but one of the fun concerts that I really enjoyed here was seeing Smashing Pumpkins. Right. And that's not the kind of band you would expect to see at the Libero Theater. I mean, that was... Some really exciting rock music, very loud. Mm-hmm. I was a little afraid that the ceiling tiles were going <laughs> to fall down and the panels were going to crumble. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was, it was really neat to be here in such a small venue and see a band like that right. on the stage of the Libero. Yeah. That was fun for me. Yeah. And I brought my kids that night. They got to listen to some dad music. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can remember being in this green room with a very wonderful supporter of the theater and Jacob Dylan sitting right where you're sitting right now, Jeff. Yeah. And that was that was only a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, we we've had fantastic folks. come We've had this comedy
0: place. here too. Yeah. I, Lily Tomlin. We yeah. can't forget that, right? Dana Carvey was here. Paula Poundstone. Yeah. yeah. Bill Maher. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a it's been an interesting year, you know, um, for all of us. Uh, you know, over at the bank, relating to COVID and all the different changes we had to make to operate we're a we're a retail operation we have branches people mm. need to come in and out every day um, it's it's not as if everybody could be remote at our office and so we had to pivot this year as a bank and I know that you all here at the libero had to pivot a lot as well I thought we could talk a little bit about that um, in the beginning I think and I'll, I'll say the beginning was maybe around March or April of last year. I think a lot of us were thinking, maybe this COVID thing's going to last a couple months. You know, we'll kind of get through it. It's going to be like this, this flu season kind of thing. And then maybe by the summer, it'll all be gone. And then it didn't really happen that way. Kind of stuck with us. So tell us a little bit about when, when did you feel that we started to realize as an organization that the Libero Theater was going to be
1: dark for an extended period of time? You're right. It wasn't at the beginning. I was very hopeful that it would we would lose maybe a month or two. And that would be it. Um, It was that was probably the most maddening part. And and, and it doesn't matter what business you're in. I'm sure everybody was in the same boat. At the very beginning, we are we had a show on March 11. And March 12, That was falling off the cliff. Nothing, not allowed to do anything. And um, and again, that whole uncertainty, how long is this going to last? Well, maybe it's not going to last that long. Let's keep people on. let's, then let's postpone. There was yeah. a lot of postponements of oh, yeah. shows thinking right. that,
0: you know, maybe maybe we can't do it in the summer, but we can do it in October. Right. Right. And then that turned out that those had to be, rescheduled yet again or postponed indefinitely
2: well if i could just add to that it really speaks volumes to our our our, um, patrons uh we still have a lot of those shows that were scheduled back then that are currently on the libero calendar and vast majority of the ticket holders are still holding their tickets yeah i'm thinking about
0: i'm thinking about shows like los lobos and charles lloyd i mean that's an example of where I had tickets for those shows and yeah. I'm really excited about them, but yet I don't want my money back. I want to see those shows. Yeah. So, you right. know, I'm I'm holding out for those new dates.
2: Right. That's right. right. Most people felt similarly. And I mean, I don't know. I, is, that, is That that seems special to me that, that they, they would have that kind of commitment that, that they would be willing to wait it out. Mm-hmm. But they the vast majority did. Mm-hmm. So being on the
0: board, I guess I'm kind of privy to some stuff, you know, that went on being a board member here at the Libero. And I know that it was it was really tough because once it dawned on us that the theater was going to be dark for an extended period of time, we had to go through and we had to look at the whole model, you know, um, what were the expenses looking like? You know, what, where was the revenue going to come from? Um, You know, thankfully we had a pretty diversified revenue model um, that involved uh, components of donations from the community and we have certain support. Let's, Let's talk about that a little bit. So on the revenue side, we have something called the Ghost Light Society. Um, Brandon, will you tell us a little bit about what that is?
2: We can't talk about the Ghost Light without acknowledging our colleague, uh, fundraising superstar, Jim Doherty. He, he really coined it and, and started it and, and developed it and grew it. And it is, it is really his legacy in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, to become a member of the Ghost Light, it's, it's a supporting, uh, extremely supportive gift of $10,000 or more. And we have, you know, a wonderful group of supporters that that choose to help out at that level. Um, to answer your question, uh, the ghost light uh, goes back to Shakespearean times. Um, it, it is the light in the theater that that never goes out. And and true to form, we we have such a light on that stage <laughs> right now. I'm guessing it's turned on. It's yeah, never turned off. right. Um, but uh, it's it's representative of of that support that that truly. Um, it's, it's transformational. It, it really makes a huge difference for so us. So the
0: Ghost Light Society is a group of people that agree to support the theater at the $10,000 or above level year in and year out. Mm-hmm. That's right. So that the theater always has a light, so that it is always running, um, so to speak. And so that, that's been good. You've actually had new Ghost Light members that have joined during this period of time where we're not even able to have shows on the stage.
2: I, You know, I, this is all new to everyone. We didn't know what to expect. I didn't have high expectations that we would be growing that group, but that's exactly what we did.
0: Mm-hmm. That says a lot about the organization. It says a lot about how people care about the theater. Um, you've also gone out, you know, this happened right before COVID, and I guess it would just continue through COVID, is, is you kind of broadened the donation base for the Libero. Um, I know a while back, one of our board members uh, helped underwrite the ability so that we could take uh, text donations, right? And then we kind of rolled that out, and so that was, uh, it broadened our donor base. And even though some of the donations were very small, it was actually fantastic because we had a brand new person that was supporting the Libero that maybe had never supported the Libero before, and they did it through technology. Um, You've also broadened things with social media. How, how has it been in general fundraising through yeah. this period of time? Not just the Ghost Light, but in general fundraising with our,
2: our donors. Sure. Um, I would say, and, and uh, hopefully I'm not jumping into something that I'm, I know we were going to talk about, but um, we have uh, Live from the Libero, which is a streaming series, and we've had tremendous, you talked about Charles Lloyd earlier, he was one of the performers that was featured in a, a streaming concert, uh, Katie Tunstall. Um, John Kay. Uh, there, there are others. Uh, we probably, at the end of the day, we do seven or eight
1: of them, David? Yeah, right.
2: Um, and uh, to me, this is the, the little engine that could. We, we, Instead of sitting on our hands and, mm-hmm. and woe is me and we'll, we're just waiting until we can reopen, we stayed busy. And, and we put on these top-notch shows. They, they, the production costs were not cheap. Um, it was a true investment from the board and, and folks like David who who signed off on the, the decision to do this. Um, and uh, at times it was a little concerning because maybe we didn't sell as many virtual tickets as we would have liked. But I truly believe that that was kind of the engine that that you know the fact that people were seeing the libero still presenting when when really very few were mm-hmm. um and and uh, you know i i looked at a lot of streaming content over the past year i think ours holds up it's it's as good as anything that's out there it's still available for those who are listening that uh want to check it out um you can still buy tickets to many of these shows um but yeah i think that that was a critical decision that that really Ultimately, um, folks chose to stay involved and support us because they saw that we were we were still pushing through this thing. Kenny
0: Loggins did one too. Yeah. he was our I, first. I believe he was our first. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there really were some great. So that was so kind of a combination between the ongoing support of the Ghostlight Society, um, the general donor base, uh, as well as the virtual streaming uh, that was going on here and those shows. The really, the production quality was really. Really high. And as you said, it's interesting that you say that there haven't been a lot of other organizations that have been doing it locally. You know, we are keeping active uh, as a theater and and those virtual shows, even though they may not have made a lot of money for the Libero, it kept the Libero in everyone's mind. And that's that's really important for people to understand this theater has been around for a very long Mm -hmm. time, getting close to 150 Mm -hmm. years. And so it's very important for us as stewards. Of this fantastic little theater to keep it going, right. and and this is it's been a really challenging time, and I know, I know you all had to make some difficult decisions too. You you had to cut expenses, and that that could not have been easy. Um, you know, there are certain employees that maybe we could not afford to support during this period of time. There were certain hours that got cut back. How hard was that for you guys?
1: Well, two thirds of the staff is was furloughed. And we furloughed, meaning that we kept them on our insurance. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they, you know, uh, uh, we're hopeful that uh, most of them will be in a position to come back and want to come back. Uh, But we know that that some people have actually gotten other jobs and moved on. And um, while that's not, um, I mean, we're we're happy for those people, but uh, it doesn't make our job easier, that's for sure. And that that was the hardest part was, you know, the timing of it. It, you know, it was good and bad. I mean, in one sense, if you have to take a year off, at least it happened when we were the busiest we've been. And mm-hmm. from a financial point of view, we were feeling pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. So at least there was that going in. But again, we were as busy as possible and then nothing. So, um, so that, that was the hardest thing. The the, the human loss right. you know, was really the hardest right. thing. So the communities come in behind the Libero
0: but yet the gap is big. I mean, I, I think we were talking earlier that it may be
1: as much as $2 million of lost mm-hmm. revenue yeah, it, it'll, it'll that the Libero's two and a half. gone through, $2.5 million, Even Yeah, that's assuming we can open up sometime in late summer, early fall. Yeah. So that's – obviously, that's money that can't be made up, but um –
0: So going forward, the way that the community can help with that is, you know, obviously companies like American Revere Mm -hmm. Bank can continue Mm -hmm. to be corporate sponsors or or become a new corporate sponsor in anticipation of of what's going to happen here in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people can join the Ghost Light Society. As Brandon mentioned, folks can um, actually buy a ticket to some of the the streaming music that we recorded here. Libero.org? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, I would say, though, that the organization really did a fantastic job of pivoting. I think that when you look at the concept of a stage being dark for a year and what that means for a lot of, of venues out there, um, I think that it, it was meaningful that the Libero has a diversified model the rental side and the Libero Mm -hmm. uh, Theater Foundation, Libero Live side, as well as community donations, et cetera. I think that that was an important uh, part of the pivoting that went on. Mm -hmm. I think everyone's using that term pivot a lot during COVID-19. But it's also so, I guess, inspiring to see that the community has supported the theater in a big way because the community really wants you guys to be back up and running. Right. What do you think that looks like? I mean, right now we're sitting here, you know, it's right at the end of March, 2021. When do you think, and I know you're speculating a little mm-hmm. bit cause we don't know how everything's going to roll out, but when do you think you might be able to reopen for live theater? Will it be with reduced seating Will there be different protocols? How do you envision that at this point?
1: I'm sure there will be a period where we will be allowed to open with um, a a socially distanced audience. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure when that will happen or how long that will be before we can go to full capacity. But I'm I'm anticipating that. Um, There are, um, the, the, the biggest issue there, of course, is, you know, 10%. Or twenty percent of your of your house, uh, there's not a lot of revenue to be generated. So most of the events that take place here can't operate under that. That's but right. that doesn't mean there can't be other events that that can come in in a short period of time. Um, you know, the community was there for us uh, this this past year, and if there are community organizations and artists who want to come in and perform at the Libero under those circumstances, then I, we have to be there for them. Mm-hmm. You know, then. Our box office has to be ready. Our front of house staff has to be ready. Our ushers need to be here. So, do you
0: think? Do you think that it would be unlikely to open with you know ten twenty five percent capacity? Do you think we would need to be at fifty percent capacity, where you're kind of leaving every other row, you know, open or some space between the seats? What do well, you think? Because you you bring up a really interesting point in a six hundred seat theater you know you really can't charge you know for 60 120 tickets right. that would be a very
1: expensive ticket to try <laughs> right. to cover the cost right. of the artist right, and, right. So that, and all
0: the the right. labor that's
1: involved and right, right. all that right but you know i'm i'm hearing from you know again from the opera which has used our courtyard for rehearsals uh, opera santa barbara is is one of the organizations that's been very aggressive about performing uh, they're doing the uh, a drive in uh, uh, down at the Ventura Fairgrounds in, uh, in another couple weeks uh, where you drive in and, and watch the opera there. Um, they've been using our places as rehearsal. They would like to, um, if nothing else, thank some donors mm-hmm. and, and, and have a, 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 do, do a special program specifically for that just to keep, again, that presence going. Um, uh, the Youth Symphony is going to be filming something here later on this month, later on in, in April, um so there are there's local artists where the fee is not that high. Yeah. Uh and again they haven't you know nobody's really performed in a year. So I, I think there will be some of that. I don't think it'll be a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that it will kind of um uh, like I said that there'll be a certain period of time where that's the only thing allowed. So do you think do you think that it looks
0: like the fall Of 2021 versus the summer, is
1: that where you're trying to schedule some of your- Yeah, I'm very hopeful that we are open to capacity somewhere in August, maybe September. Okay. And I I think that can, I I think there's a real uh, possibility of that. You know, you hear things, uh, you know, the president saying that, uh, you know, we'll have everybody vaccinated by July Mm -hmm. or end of May or something. And thinking, you know, if everybody's really vaccinated by the end of May, then I think August is a real possibility. Um, My so, wife
2: pointed out; uh, she was excited. Monterey Bay Aquarium here in our own state of California uh, reopening later this month. Mm-hmm. So we are seeing indoor activity, I, and I know coming to a music hall and having somebody on stage singing out to a crowd is different than uh, than an aquarium. But but it's it's baby steps, and we're we're seeing progress and things reopening, and we'll 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 be one of the dominoes to fall. But uh, we can't wait to get there.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. In our attention from a, from a staff perspective, our focus has really shifted to, okay, what do we need to do to be ready? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it could be as early as, as July with the social distance crowd, or maybe even June. Um, and, and again, I, I, I think that we owe it to the community. If there are people who want to do that, we should be there for them. David, I know
0: you're a huge music fan, um, and I know that jazz is, mm-hmm. uh, jazz music is really near and dear to your heart. I know uh, you used to travel
1: pretty much almost every year to New Orleans for the Jazz Festival, didn't you? We went to uh, New Orleans once, but uh, we go to, my wife and I go to the Monterey Jazz Festival okay. this year.
0: Okay. What are you hearing from the artists? Because I know you spend time, uh, as executive director, you spend a lot of time with the theater, mm. with the quality of the presentations, with who's going to be on stage. And you interact a lot with the promoters. What are you hearing from the artists in terms of their willingness? To be up on stage, they can't wait. Really, you know, the
1: the every artist is ready to go to work, and everybody's got a new album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've all had plenty of time they, to record. There's, there's a lot of new work out there. It's a creative window, sure. yes, yep, and yeah, I yeah, they, every artist I know, mm-hmm. um, uh, definitely musicians as well. They just they can't wait. You know, it's that's how they make a living. So there's the financial aspect, but the whole you know, not, not being able to do what you do, what your passion is, that's, that's hard. That is hard. So, um, so yeah. yeah. And I, I like the idea that, yeah, there's an awful lot of new music <laughs> I <laughs> I I bet. that no one's heard yet. I bet. What else would you like You know, the, the
0: listeners of this podcast to know about the Libero? Um, as we talk today, You know, this is, is fascinating to hear a bit about the, the history of the theater and what's going on right now. Tell us a little bit about anything that's on your thoughts.
1: Well, I we're going to stress the fact that when we open up, we'll open up safely, and we'll follow all of the guidelines, trust us on that, and just trust us to know we're, we'll be bullish. As soon as we can, we will. Brandon, thoughts?
2: Yeah, um, just to kind of uh, revisit the history, we, mm-hmm. we kind of just threw it out there kind of quickly that we are the fourth oldest theater in the country. I'm an East Coaster. And um, when I moved out here, uh, I immediately became familiar and saw shows at Libero. And, and only in the last couple of years did I start becoming a member of this team. But uh, it wasn't, we have a board member. I'm going to give him a shout out. Brett Hodges, if you're listening, uh, you're the best or one of the best <laughs> of our, our, our wonderful volunteers. Uh, but he, he, uh, he really is the uh, researching muscle that has been just digging really deep. And um, the fact that he, he was able to unearth... Looking at all of the theaters across the country, um, we, we, we've said from day one from me that we're the, the longest running theater in California. That's, that's mm-hmm. been a byline from the, the get-go. But um, when he shared with us that there's only three theaters in the United States that are older than the Libero. So
0: based upon that research, you think number four in the United incredible, States. Incredible, isn't in terms, it? Yeah, that is really yeah. incredible when you consider that we're west of the Mississippi. Yeah. You know, and and that uh, and not we're not, we don't have the not Los benefit Angeles, of being right. on the right coast. Right? Yes. Yes. We're on the left uh, coast. So, yeah.
2: I don't want to bury that lead. No, I think that's not, a really big deal.
0: It is. It is. And, you know, another thing that, that folks should probably know is just that it's um, not only is the business of, of running the Libero Theater about the shows that go on here, but it's also about the fact that this is an older building. Um, and there's a responsibility on our parts as directors and as mm-hmm. officers of the Libero Theater Fund to make sure that this building gets maintained. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And that's not an easy thing to do when you have roofs that need to be replaced, and you know, you've know you got to replace the rigging, and you got to replace the lighting right. every so right. often, and the seats right. and all that. And we went through a major renovation of the theater uh, back with the Encore Libero campaign, mm-hmm. which happened... I want to say that was right around the time that I was president. It would have been maybe around 2012, we, 13, we opened, 14, we, somewhere we, around we there. We were
1: closed for seven months, and we opened in December of 2013. Okay, 13. Yeah. So a lot of things were done at that point in mm-hmm.
0: time. And now um, is there focus on any changes here at the theater at this point in terms of things that need to be... Fixed up or changed?
1: Well, we're going to uh, um, put some money in our HVA system with mm-hmm. new filters, the blue lights, ah. uh, so so all of that. So part sure of the
0: COVID situation, upgrading absolutely. the HVAC. Absolutely,
1: we have, we have some parts on order that'll happen in the next oh, probably three or four weeks. So so that aspect will be will be up to code as well.
2: Yeah. I yeah. want to add uh, we're committed to solar panels on the roof of the ah. Barrow Theater. Okay. Um, we, we, we've we received some support around it, and uh, so there there is a full commitment to, to um, raising additional funds to accomplish that.
0: So that is a way that uh, those in the community that are passionate about helping out right. could also help with some of these capital improvement mm-hmm. projects as yep. well, if that's right. something that's near and dear to their heart in terms of supporting the actual – theater itself right you historic know, we,
1: theater we, we have a very good situation for solar panels and uh, you know right flat in the, roof yeah, we have flat roof exactly a large flat roof mm-hmm. so um, you know uh, right in the heart of Santa Barbara uh, an energy source if you will um, and I, I think that again I, I we, the Libera theater Foundation would like to be leaders in that area as well
2: well right. and we have the green business certification mm-hmm. already mm-hmm. so it, it goes in line with that. Okay.
0: Perfect. Well, this has been a lot of fun, you guys. I really appreciate the opportunity to do this with you, I'm, and you guys being game to do this with us. Um, I want to thank you for doing it. Thank our listeners for joining in. If you want to learn more about the Libero, you can visit their website at www.libero.org. If you'd like to learn more about American Riviera Bank, visit us at www.Americanriviera.bank. Thanks again for listening, and thank you, Brandon, and thank you, David. Thanks for having
1: us.